0: You're listening to the Swap Talk
1: Podcast, brought to you by Swap Talk Air Force.
0: What's up, guys? Welcome to episode six of the Swamp Talk podcast. I'm your host Jack Denny, alongside Ryan Chat.
1: What's up, everybody? And
0: today we have Tyler Spitz Miller. Uh, that's a mouthful, but I hope I got it right. What's up, Tyler? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Not a whole lot, yeah. And you got it right, so cool. Props to
0: you. Cool deal, and um, so. Tyler, for those of you who don't know, is an, I would say, outdoor graphic designer. I've been following his work for a while, as well as Ryan, and just some of the creative things, I mean, like Trump holding a turkey, and I mean, y'all go check him out on Instagram because his work is funny in a lot of ways, but it's also super creative and really cool. But um, on that, Tyler, let's uh, just kind of share about, you know, where you're from, where you grew up, how you got into hunting, graphic design, just a, a little bit about you for the A few minutes.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I'm from Tyler, Texas. I actually grew up in White House, Texas. That's just right outside of Tyler. A lot of people may know it because that's where Patrick Mahomes graduated from. And I, uh, I graduated from here. I kind of have stuck around here. And uh, I uh, was blessed to be raised with a father and a grandfather that hunted and fished and took me every chance they could. And when I got older, I was able to do a little bit of content for a few companies. And I have always kind of drawn and been kind of artsy, I guess. And uh, it was because of my wife. She just really kind of pushed me to, you know, what if you just started drawing ducks or just You know, just different stuff that you love. And when you combine two different passions with, uh, you know, stuff you enjoy doing, it kind of just takes off. And I was not expecting it to go the way, the way it went, but, uh, it definitely took off and has been able to do a little bit of income for me and be able to pay some bills that have kind of built up over time. And so it's just fun to see people enjoy your work and, find it funny because it's meant to be funny and of course it doesn't make sense but it's just fun to see people <laughs> put it together and think it's hilarious and uh i just kind of feed off of that
0: so yeah have you heard of the guy uh J-Bo art he does a lot of fishing I think stuff
2: I, yeah i think i have heard of or i think i might have seen him on my like discover stuff and stuff like that yeah but.
0: he does a lot of flat stuff but his work um or your work reminds me a lot of his and but right. yours is yours is tailored definitely to more of the, uh, hunting industry, but, right. Um, right. well, that's neat. Um, so how, how many years have you been doing the graphic design stuff?
2: Well, so I have, I have been drawing on paper forever. It wasn't until I think it was around 2020 where, or maybe a little bit before 2019, 18, I started doing it digitally. And let me tell you, it uh, took a lot of learning on my part because I do not have a college degree in it. And uh, just learning, you know, just learning the programs and learning the different files and the files that people need for T-shirts and yeah. stuff like that. I definitely felt overwhelmed multiple times where it was like, forget it. I'm just going to go back to paper and you can scan it and figure it out. <laughs> yeah, But I, I was able to. To just learn stuff, watch YouTube, and uh, it kind of took off from there. And before I know it, like big companies were hitting me up, and I was like, "Man, this is this is pretty cool."
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah,
2: I've been I've been doing it for I guess two or three years digitally, but I've been I've been drawing for. Oh, my gosh, forever.
1: So so. this wasn't something that you had really intended to make any form of a career out of. I'm, I'm assuming it was just kind of a hobby that, that grew into people liking your yeah. work and, and opening up some opportunities, I'm guessing.
2: Right, yeah. So, like, my Instagram started out with, you know, I did some work with a, a thermal company. And so it was a lot of photography, night pictures. And then I did a little bit of stuff with Drake Waterfowl. And then, you know, I just started doing some art stuff and I was like, well, I'll just take a picture of my art and post it. And then I got a few inquiries of, Hey, how do we get that? And I'm like, man, I have no idea. This is on a piece of paper. Like, (laughs) you want me to, you want me to mail it to you or how does that, how does, how does that work? You know, and, uh, so then it started, started into the, well, I'm going to get an iPad and just learn this stuff. And uh, I started post. I posted a few of them, like you know Marilyn Monroe and John Wayne, and it just kind of really took off. And you know, with that, it also had a little bit of hate of you know this stuff is fake and
0: right. you
2: know you're using an app and all this other stuff. Which I I think in the waterfowl industry, it can it can be it can build people up, but it can also tear people down. You know, there's definitely bullies out there that will mm-hmm. you know. T- and tell you this is fake or all this other stuff, and
0: yeah, did
2: it get me down? yes, and thankful to for my wife, you know, she uplifted me and was like, well, they're not seeing you sitting down drawing it, so just keep doing it, you know, so.
0: Yeah. And I can vouch for that. As far as uh, being in the graphic design field myself, I, that was one of the kind of topics that I wanted to hit on is just how the design industry and custom, just custom artwork and custom projects in general. Like it, it's such a test to your patience. And then also right. like people, I mean, you get those customers that are great. They're easy to work with. And, you know, sometimes you almost question, okay, like, were they too easy to work with? Did they actually like it? And they're just, you know, want to pay it and get it over with. And then you have others that you sit there and it's like, dude, we've been working on this for two weeks. I mean, can we not come up with a solution? Like, (laughs) so, um, I mean, how does that, I guess the the right question would be how, how do you kind of go around uh, the test of patience thing? Is there any routine that you do day to day that helps you build patience or anything that you kind of fall back on whenever you are struggling in that aspect? Mm -hmm
2: well i i think for for me it just mentally you know it's it's weird for me cuz i can just see something or imagine something and automatically i see the image and i just draw it and you know for me like if i have a client that you know hey i want this 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 and this man like I get that and you might see that, but then I've been doing this for a few years and I can be able to tell you like that's going to be way too busy of a design to, you know, to catch the eye or it's going to be very distracting. And so for me, it's like this person is, you know, is paying me the money to do this design and I want to do right by them. And I want them to have an image that they're proud of, but then also that I'm proud of being able to put out there, you know, and so it's just a reminder of that. You know, along with that is I don't really care for the customer service side of things. I never have really liked customer service and in a sense this kind of is because people are paying you their good hard money and you have to put the time in and you have to put the work in to make sure that they get that something they want and that they can put on a T
0: shirt.
1: So. Yeah. 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 I know right. oftentimes, you know, that that's probably the most difficult part. Like I work in construction, for example, and there's a lot of times where, you know, maybe a customer has a vision and, you know, you show up to the job and you're trying to plan things out. And it's like, well, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really work that way. You know, it's not, right. that is not ideal for, you know, for what you're right. trying to get. And, and I get where you're coming from. You know, the customer service side is probably the most difficult part of <laughs> the job itself. It other than just uh, doing uh, the effort. work itself yeah. like it's uh, like hey uh, you uh, just <laughs> let me you know you paid you paid me you know a lot of money yeah. to, to work on this project because you you know you trusted us and because you know Right, You know, right. From your family or your friends or wherever you heard about us that we're experts in this you know, particular field, you know, and it can be hard right. to say that without coming off, you know, kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: We're going to have to cut that one. <laughs> uh, we might yeah. leave it. Sorry. Sorry, parents, yeah. if you're out there listening. Yeah. No, but I, I yeah. have a customer, uh, his name is Ryan Chat, and he's sitting across from me and he orders all, <laughs> all his construction stuff from me. And the yeah. dude sends me ones and twos and threes of all these t-shirts order. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Just order a thousand and be easy. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? But right. yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, and, and I'm the same way. It's like, you know, you want to, you want to create a product that looks good to, to you first of all, because you don't want your name on something that looks terrible. And then, right. you know, you, you want, you want to please them as well. So I, I completely get, it. I'm better at doing a logo. And, um, oh. actually our first, like my first logo I ever made was on Microsoft paint in like 20 it was like 2017 and right. just seeing like now I've got an iPad and you know, all the different softwares that I feel like it's every month there's something new coming out for it. So it's, right, it's crazy that the whole digital world, but
1: so as far right. as uh, you know, obviously your, your artwork and whatnot, you know, is, is, obviously geared towards the outdoor world and and i know you know a lot of it's primarily you know waterfowl hunting what is your your hunting life like you know are you a, are you a pretty big you know waterfowl hunter or hunter in general or is it just something you kind of do every now and then or
2: well um so when i my dad raised me duck hunting first off I, I, that's the first thing that i remember him taking me to um it was you know before i could even shoot a shotgun and So I remember super early mornings, sleeping in the flat bottom and then waking up to gunfire and, you know, duck calling of like, oh, crud, the ducks are here, you know. (laughs) And uh, that was my first experience. And then the whole, you know, it was on public land. And so the whole public land struggle and battle and warfare and whatever else took off. And we started looking for private land and we found a few private land places and then you know, my dad was just getting tired of the finding it and then losing it and, you know, not having anywhere to go. So we started deer hunting for a while. And I, when I got in my teenage years, I, I was into deer hunting, but, you know, those memories of duck hunting were still in the back of my mind and, you know, never left me. And so when I was able to drive myself and stuff, I started looking for uh, private places and started again. And, you know, along with that, I still deer hunted in East Texas we're kind of in between two fly zones so sometimes we get ducks sometimes we don't sometimes it's 90 degrees in December and sometimes it's not so you know I I will I'll deer hunt first wait for the ducks to get here and then as soon as I catch word or hear you know hey the ducks are here or hey uh, my spot's full of of ducks you want to come it's like yeah man forget deer hunting I'm coming so um you know it's that and then uh, during the summertime and spring i do a lot of thermal night vision stuff and that's pretty fun and so yeah and then for me it's, after that everything is just kind of waiting on duck season again so
1: yeah yeah i can i can relate in a lot of ways i grew up um primarily deer hunting and uh i had a couple of buddies of mine who his uh his cousin who was a few years older than us he he was a big duck hunter and he had gotten us into duck hunting, and uh, my dad had never duck hunted before. So now, you know, with me and my dad deer hunts, you know, a lot of my family deer hunts. But to me, I, I could care less about a deer, to be honest. Jack feels different. He, <laughs> like, he likes to deer hunt, but for me, it's... I don't know. <laughs> um, it, like, there's just something
0: about sitting in a deer stand. Like, now that I've gotten busier and older, I feel like it's just starting to become, a not a waste of time, but uh, sorry, deer hunters, a waste of time <laughs> going in. <laughs> and, and, you know what I mean though? Like, I, I mean, I've got, yeah. I, I try and stay like a week to two weeks out on projects and stuff. And I feel like if I'm sitting in the deer stand, I just, you know, I'm putting it off and I, I also don't, yeah. don't really want to be working in the deer stand in the first place. So yeah. The uh, trips out west have kind of ruined, uh, ruined me as far as uh, duck hunting. It ate up with it. Now I, I just love it, and I'm, I'm always on, ready to go. You know, whenever, if anybody's like, hey, we're heading here and there, I'm like, okay, yeah.
1: <laughs> I can make it work. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah, way. I'm. I love duck hunting to death. My wife sometimes thinks that I like duck hunting more than I like her, but uh, it's not true. I promise it's not, but uh, <laughs> no, it's, we, uh, we go out West a couple times a year, you know, we've been to Kansas, Arkansas and, you know, a couple other places and, you know, it, uh, it makes it hard for us because we're in Eastern North Carolina where, you know, if you get in some good wood duck shooting, like you've, you've done pretty decent, you yeah. know, we, we right. don't, we don't right. have near amount, you know, in, in our flyway that, that y'all get, out west i know you mentioned you're kind of in between flyways so your your story may be a uh, bit different but we're the ones that ruin it for everyone out west yeah like they're like oh here's these out-of-staters you know they see the license plate yeah and they're yeah. like ah oh,
0: here they come they see north carolina yeah. and they're like all right they're gonna have wood ducks and a cow pond and <laughs> all, all kind of decoys out there yep. Yep. But, yeah yeah yeah. yeah, I mean that's just how I mean after going to Arkansas, I guess it was 2 or 3 years ago for the first time, it was it's just an eye-opening experience and it's like you really see how people get hooked on it versus here when it's a 10-minute wood duck shoot. Yeah, that's fun and all, but there's no hunting to it. You're just kind of there and right. you don't call them nothing. They just
1: No, come. you just as long as you know where they want to be, you can shoot them. Yeah. You know, I mean it's Yeah. That's kind of all it is. So I kind of like the challenge, you know, out west of Yeah. You know scouting for the birds finding where they're at finding why they want to be there you know setting up a, a huge spread you know calling you know it's just a whole different experience than what we grew up with here yeah so. and you can learn
0: about birds yeah. like yeah. you just learn why they do this why they why they're loafing here and there and and here in north carolina you just don't get
1: that no no not at all right. so yeah Well, cool deal, man. Um, well, we'll kind of walk this into, uh, a little bit of, uh, I guess you would call it our, our devotional part of, of the podcast here. Um, I know Tyler, you have, uh, from me following you, you know, the past couple of years, you've been pretty, pretty outspoken on social media about some of your, your challenges, you know, medically and whatnot. Um, you know, if you don't mind sharing with us kind of your story with that, um, how it's, you know, changed your life and, and kind of how you're, you're overcoming that.
2: Right. Um, so uh, I was I was blessed to be raised in a Christian household. You know, uh, my father he was a or he still is, but he's a deacon in the Baptist church, and my mother is very active. And being raised in the Baptist church, it was it was very interesting, not in a bad sense, but just you know, just very what you could do, couldn't do type stuff. And yeah. I was at church every every Sunday, and couldn't like shouldn't miss, couldn't miss if you miss that was a slap on the hand, you know, that wasn't good. And, yeah. um, so when, you know, I got a little older and a little more taste of freedom, I, you know, got a little, not terribly wild, but a little wild, you know, but I still have my faith and it always seems like sometimes as, as Christians, we, it's always there as a fallback, you know, it's when, when hard times hit, it, you know, it's always there and it's not a a daily walk like it should be or it's intended to be. So in 2000, I think it was 2020, it was a very hard year for everybody with COVID and everything else, but um 2020, half of my face had gone numb and this, this was the second time that it had happened. And, uh, the first time it had happened, uh, I went into a, like a emer- emergency clinic or just kind of an in and out type clinic. And they told me that I have Bell's palsy. which when I looked it up, you know, half your face is supposed to be drooping and you're supposed to be drooling and stuff like that. And I didn't have any of that. So. I, I went in and they, that's what they diagnosed me with. They gave me some steroid pills and I think three or four weeks, it kind of just tapered off and I had my feel or feeling in my face back. So later on, several months later, I started noticing that, you know, I got, I had been getting a little few headaches that kind of traveled around my head that wasn't necessarily in one spot, but kind of just travel all over. And it lasted for a second, two seconds, and then it would be gone. I I noticed that I told my wife about it and we didn't really know what to do about it. And, uh, so I just kind of, you know, the man thing, I'm not going into the hospital unless I'm dying. Mm -hmm. I, uh, just kind of toughened it up and 2020 hit and my face went numb again. It's, It's like you, you go to sleep and you're fine. And then you wake up and your face is numb and you're like, what in the world is going on? So I waited a week, was thinking, well, maybe it'll just go away. I don't want to collect a bill to go into the ER or anything. So um, I waited and it started getting a little worse. It got into half of my tongue and then it started traveling into my chest a little bit. I told my wife, I was like, hey, I don't want to, but let's go into the ER and just hopefully they'll just give me some steroid pills and see you later. And uh, so we went into the ER clinic and they sent us to the actual ER side, not the urgent care, but the ER side. And they, uh, they basically said you need to go over here and have a few tests done. And so we went over there and they were like, well, we're going to take you in for a cat scan. And so I'm like, man, that's a several thousand dollar bill. And so we, we went in and it's me and my wife and we're sitting there and it's taking taking a pretty long time. And, so automatically the worry starts building and i looked at my wife and i told her i was like something's not right something's not good i just i just don't have a good feeling and the doctor walks in and shuts the door behind him and he looks at me and my wife and he says well we found something on your brain that's a, that's pretty much the last thing that i heard out of that doctor Luckily, my wife was there and she was able to hear everything else because my mind automatically traveled into, I have cancer, or like this is it, mm-hmm. you know, all all the bad stuff that it could be. And um, so they asked if we wanted to be transported by ambulance over to the hospital to get an MRI because they could get a better reading. I told my wife, no, just, you know, just drive me over. And so we both got out into the car and we both just broke down we had just had our biological born baby, um, little boy born. And, uh, we were about to adopt our, uh, our son that we had been fostering for a while. And so automatically I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to die. My, my wife's going to be left with these two boys. And then, you know, she might meet some other dude and he's going to raise my kids, you know? And I, I was struggling pretty hard mentally. And, um, so we went in the hospital and I, they took 32 vials of blood from me. Um, and I'm talking like big vials, not little vials. Yeah. And the thing thing with MS is they test you for everything and then they narrow it down to, okay, you have MS. And so then they had to do a lumbar puncture and take a big old turkey syringe and stick it in my, my spine and take fluid off of my spine to test it to make sure that, there's nothing in there that basically says that I'm going to be wheelchair bound pretty soon. Um, And so did all of that. And I just, all of it, I was in a super fog. Like that's a ton of blood for somebody to lose and Mm -hmm. all the, all the tests and everything else. And so basically after, I think it was four days of being in the hospital, we were released and automatically that's when the mental struggle of stuff happened, you know, where like I'm, I'm dying. Like, I don't know anything else besides MS. And the little bit that I know is, you know, most people are in a wheelchair. And so I'm not going to be able to play baseball with my boys and throw in the yard without being in a wheelchair. And so that just really ate at me. And, um, I think that happened in November and then, you know, I always felt the comfort there. I, you know, and I always knew that the Lord was with me through it, but, during that stuff, you can either choose to, to seek his presence and feel his presence or you can kind of just ponder in the, in the yuck, you know. And I felt like I was so stuck in the yuck that I couldn't really feel his presence except for a tiny bit. And um, I just had a hard time. I, I cried a lot. That's, that's hard to admit as a man, but I, I cried a lot. I held on to my boys a lot, just not knowing and then ended up catching COVID in December, and then right around Christmas time, and then in January my grandfather passed away, and so it was just one thing after another after another that just kept hitting me. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was duck season, and I uh, I told my wife it was on a, it was on a Sunday. I just wasn't feeling it don't, I don't normally duck hunt on Sundays. I just told her, I just want to go out in the woods. I don't, I don't care if nobody goes with me. I just want to go to the duck spot. I'm going to take my dog and we're just going to sit for all I care. And so we, uh me and my dog, we went out and doesn't happen much here in East Texas, but by myself, I was done by like 7.30, 7.45. <laughs> and I was able to sit there and you know watch the sunrise and it was in that moment that i just felt the you know the sovereignty of the lord just sit there and tell me like you know i got you like i've been here the whole time and you know i'm here and uh everything's going to be okay you know whether i whether i die the next year or you know i'm in a wheelchair like it doesn't matter you know the the lord has me the lord's walking through me with this disease um or just any Christian he's he's walking with you through the struggles and um that was that was definitely the hardest part in my life and then also like the most that I've really just leaned into him and let him just carry me through the whole difficulty and not try to control uh the stuff that I really couldn't control so it was that was definitely the hardest and I still i come to this day I'm I'm good. I've gotten good reports. I still have to go in and uh, take a five hour uh, medication drip through an IV and that's tough and that sucks. And mentally, sometimes you're like, it's still a reminder of you're sick and you know, but at the end of the day, like I'm still here. I can still see my boys. I can still see my wife. And it's just, I don't know what someone. I don't know how someone could have walked through this without the Lord and how much harder it would have been uh without the Lord behind them or beside them walking through it. So
0: Yeah, that's that's an incredible story. I feel like um when you get to that point, like you said, it's it's just you either turn to the Lord and give your life to him and and fully surrender or you you just are stuck in that fog of it all and there's no escape in it.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I um. know, you know, the situation you know, like you explained to us, it can be really, really um, testing, you know, on your faith. I know you touched on, you know, how this particular scenario brought you, brought you closer to, you know, in your relationship to God, but obviously it wasn't, it wasn't easy to put all your, your trust in him probably in the beginning because you're sitting there questioning, you know, everything that the doctors have told you and everything that the internet tells you right. that comes with the medical condition. And, you know, obviously all of the stress and sorrow from, you know, family and and friends, you know, it's nice to, you know, have those people support you, but on the same note, you know, it can sometimes make it difficult too for you to keep your head up. What would you say are some of the key elements that, that helped you to keep your faith in track, you know, throughout that process? You know, is there anything specific that maybe you did that really just helped, you know, give you a boost through, through that trial?
2: For me, it was just kind of like, I literally, I am so blessed with my faith because, I don't know what the next year may hold. I don't know what the year after may hold. And so just a constant reminder and just being in prayer anytime I have doubt of just like, God, I know that, you know, you have plans for me, whether that's not really what I have planned. I know that you have plans for me. Like that ultimately just gives me the boost of God's writing my story. Or has already wrote my story. I don't have any control of what may come down the line as in physical health or anything like that and um, just just leaning on him i think he gives me a boost of just keep you know despite the the doubt and the you know not knowing what's coming that just gives me a boost to just keep on walking keep on striving uh you know to do better by other people but then also just to continue seeking you know
0: Yeah. And I think with like when people look at what you went through and they see that you're carrying yourself that way, like that's just you, you shining that light of God. And like people can see that without you having to say a word. I've shared kind of my story in previous episodes, but when my mother was first diagnosed with cancer, I know it's obviously a different thing, different circumstances, but the doctors didn't give her very long to live with the cancer that they thought she had. And I was in high school at the time and and she ended up living eight years um, after she was diagnosed. And, you know, it was, it was constantly going through chemo radiation and she'd be cancer free and then it'd come back. But through it all, it was like you know, she carried herself in a way that um, like sh- she was just as equal as anybody else and didn't want to feel the pity and sorrow because of she was going through cancer. And I think a lot of people looked up to her because of that. Right. And I said, like, you know, that's incredible that you literally have like, you know, that your days are, are numbered and you're still living your life just as you would anybody else. Um, so I feel like you can probably relate to that too. Like it's especially having, you know, kids and a family, like you want to be that role model, but to like having that in the back of your head that like, you know, it could be deadly. I can't, I can't imagine going through that. That's, that's yeah. pretty powerful.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, and, the thing also for me is like my doctor told me not to look up what MS was. And, you know, my primary doctor didn't really give me a good report, I guess, on the first the first time I saw him. It wasn't until I saw my neurologist that it was like, oh, this isn't I mean, it's bad, but it's not as bad as what it could be, you know. And like with that, I didn't know at the time I didn't know how bad or good I was or you know, what things might look like. And I wanted to kind of just open it up to people of like, Hey, this is, this is what I have. Like I can still walk. I can still talk. I can still see, but other people have MS and you may not even know it. They may not be in a wheelchair or other things, but you may not know that they have it, but they have it. And it's still, it's a mental deal. Um, it's a, some people are blind with it. Some people are in a wheelchair with it. And whether I'm in a wheelchair, out of a wheelchair, I can still see and not. Like, God gave me this gift to, to create and to draw. And it's like, hey, I want to make a shirt, you know, and I'll donate. Half of the proceeds because of I have to take out the cost of everything else, but I'll donate half of it to the MS Association of America just to give people awareness of the disease. And I did that and I did a bracelet and man, I, I couldn't keep the bracelets like in stock at my house because it was just as soon as i said hey i have 200 more they were gone so then i would order 200 more and say hey i have 200 more but i gotta wait till they get to me before i can ship them they're gone and with that i was getting you know messages upon messages of you know hey my aunt had that or and she you know she lived a, a long life but she just passed away from it and i'm so glad that you're bringing awareness to this and stuff like that and so As long as I can, I missed it this year for March's MS awareness and I completely missed it because of just being busy. And, uh, but I plan on like every year kind of doing the same thing because, you know, there's other people out there that have it way worse than I do that you know, if I can raise some sort of awareness and help them out through funding or whatever, like I'm going to, I'm going to do it.
0: Yeah. So. And maybe we can, um, uh, maybe next year we can tag team a like t-shirt of March and right. I, I supply them, pay for them, you design them and we donate, you know, all proceeds to whatever organization. Dude, that'd be awesome. I think that'd be right. It, it's so easy. And like stuff like that, you know, obviously you stay booked up with art stuff. I stay busy. Everyone stays busy, but like, I love sitting down and working on something that i know like i'm giving my time for a purpose right and i think that's something that we could easily do so we'll we'll definitely have to keep in touch on that for
1: and, sure um, that'd be awesome
0: would be super cool
1: so as far as yeah. uh You know, obviously, you've talked, you know, a little bit about the bad and, you know, kind of how how you've, you know, powered through it, you know, with your faith and your family and whatnot. What, um, if any, I'm sure there's some, you know, what would you say or maybe some positives that you have received out of this experience, you know, whether it be relationships or or anything like that, you know, is there anything that you feel like had you not gone through this, you know, you wouldn't have received, let's say, you know, maybe that that benefit of, you know, a particular mindset or, or has it, you know, changed your mind in a positive way?
2: Well, so I feel like a lot of things of just the simple things of, you know, being able to walk, you know, even I may hate my main job, but like I can still physically do my main job. And so that that's a positive impact of being able to still do the active stuff, you know, mm-hmm. to be able to coach baseball or to be able to pick my boys up or, you know, be able to walk into a restaurant, taking my wife on a date. Like that's mm-hmm. all positive stuff of stuff that, you know, without this, I would have just took it for advantage, you know, of like. Yeah. Not even th- not even think about it, and you know here here things are. I could you know it could be the completely flip side of not being able to go hunting, not being able to take people hunting, you know, not being able to walk in a restaurant with my wife. She had to roll me in or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's just little bitty things that I might not think about them now, but even when I'm in the moment, it's like it's like a quick little prayer of like, thank you, God, for you know just still allowing me to have the ability to do this simple thing that I wouldn't have thought about before.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think that's a lot of thing that, that people often miss, you know, about going through struggles miss as in, you know, missing the mark, you know, is they don't, they don't think about, Obviously, people who who walk through everyday life, you know, like, you know, myself or Jack or whoever else, there's a lot of things through our daily walk that we take for granted that we we miss how important those those small abilities really are. And, you know, we, we really don't take time to thank God, you know, our creator, for the ability and the opportunity to do the things that we do and go the places that we can go. I think, too, um, it's right.
0: it's just our selfish nature as humans to, you know, always say, oh, I'm going through this struggle. And, and you rarely ever do you think about the person who's going through a lot worse. Yeah. And I right. think that just... Like I'll always try and put myself in that position where I th- I think you know okay I had a terrible day but you know here are the positives out of it and we're gonna move on but it's so easy for us to just get swallowed up in our our selfishness and you know say man why me why this why that well you really need to start thinking about you know that person who's barely putting food on their table or or like you said who is in a wheelchair and. Um, you know, the people who aren't able to do the things that we're also gifted to be able to do. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of people don't pay attention to, you know, the, the simple fact that, you know, we were, you know, obviously, number one, or number one, you know, priority you know, here on earth is to build disciples. But, you know, part of building and creating disciples in the kingdom of God is serving others that maybe don't right. have the same opportunities and advantages that you have. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, great organizations and people who dedicate their entire lives to people, you know, let's just say, you know, with disabilities or, or different struggles. But most of your normal day-to-day people don't take the time to to even think about, you know, those who are, who are less fortunate in their normal lives. And, you know, I think that's something us as Christians, you know, we, we aren't necessarily the best at, you know, a lot of us can put on a good act and say, oh yeah, you know, I went to this, you know, this event or, or whatever the case may be. And they kind of like check that box off for the entire year of their charitable giving, you know, not necessarily financially, yeah. but, you know, maybe they spent a couple hours, you know, assisting in this charitable event or whatever the case may be, but it's a pretty big priority, you know, in the Bible for us, to be examples of christ and to yeah. to aid those who are less fortunate than us and i, I don't think yeah. the majority of the population spends enough time focusing on that thinking about that and acting upon it um which i'm sure you can probably i think most people can agree with so I, I think that's definitely and even myself you know me and you know jack you know we we've talked about you know taking kids you know on on different hunts and we've done that on a couple of different occasions but i feel like we can never do enough of that you know right
2: yeah and you know that that's one of the things for me like you know I'm I'm not I'm not the best on building disciples or witnessing to people um mainly because today's kids and today just people in today general christianity is a bad taste in their mouth just because of stuff that they've witnessed and stuff like that so it you can't just go out and just bible beat somebody and win them over You know, just right then. So for me, it's like if I can if I can take a kid or you know take someone my age duck hunting and just live life with them. Take them out hunting, not necessarily just beat them over the head with scripture. Just let them enjoy being outside. Showing them that man, I struggle with life. I am I am not perfect. I struggle with stuff daily. I mess up daily. Just show them that stuff over time or over a season. Eventually. You're going to start having a little bit of conversation or having those people open up to you on stuff that typically they don't open up to anybody about. Or, well, you might be dealing with that, but still, like, what gives you joy? You know, and it's like, okay, well, here you are. You're opening that door for this conversation. I'm not kicking the door down, trying to shove this down your throat. You're opening the door for me to share with you why I am this way or, you know, why I feel this way. Yeah. And so,
0: yeah. And I I go to a, I would call it a non non denominational, but somewhat Baptist church. They they preach straight from the Bible. And it's, it's almost like uh, there's such diversity in the church with people and cultures and it's the, the music that draws everyone in, you know, they have the whole five, six piece band and it's the worshiping and you know, the, the, it's a mega church in a sense, but I was talking to our little men's group about it. And, and it's kind of like crazy to see our younger generation turn towards worshiping God in that way. And I, I think just as a whole and as, as a Christian You know, it's about finding that middle ground with somebody and being able to kind of lead them in a a way where you're not, pressing it on them to where you know you're not coming right out of the gate being so aggressive and saying you know you're going to hell if you do this this and this I think down the right. road there's obviously a time and place where th- they'll feel that conviction from somewhere in some aspect of their life and just with this podcast it's the whole point is like whoever's listening to this is no better no worse than the three of us talking on here it's it's just right. a platform for us to be able to share our faith because we're going to be able to connect to somebody who may not be going to church or or may not be able to hear this message. And, you know, growing up, I wish there was, I just wish there was more of that rather than, you know, growing up as a Baptist, just like you mentioned, like it, it was a lot of, um, as Ryan calls it every week, I feel like we bring it up. He says he has a drug problem. He got drugged to church. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's every yeah, single so, week, but yeah, my mom and dad are probably going to listen to this. So I, I have to apologize for what I said earlier or probably y'all some money to cut it out. But like
0: <laughs> just my, for that, my childhood, I'm, I'm leaving it in <laughs>
2: <laughs> just, you know, growing up in the Baptist church, there wasn't, it wasn't wrong. You know, I right. don't want to, I don't want to put, say that or put that on Baptist, right. you know, but my, my wife and I now we go to a Bible church and if it's not in the Bible, we're not going to talk about. It. And so, you know, me being older now and knowing, being raised in the Baptist church and hearing about the bylaws of the church and all that other stuff, like, okay, that's the church's you know, bylaws, but is that, is that biblical? You know, like you can't dance in the church. Like, hold on. That's really, are we really going to make that a rule? Like just that kind of stuff is just mm-hmm. like, that's a little much, you know, or the, I remember when the Baptist church that I grew up in, we, we put a drum set on stage for worship eventually. And you thought that, you know, the Lord was coming that day. <laughs> like it was it. So, you know, it's just little stuff like that. Like, it's just growing up in that and not only knowing that and kind of stepping out in your faith and going to something different and hearing kind of what how they do it at a different church is kind of like, it's just really eye-opening. So yeah. Yeah. nothing against, it's like teach their own tomato tomato. Like if you like going to a Baptist church, great. If you like going to a Bible church, great. You know, as long as you're being fed. But just for me, it was just kind of eye-opening of, you know, sometimes everything can get lost in the rules and the, you know, you got to walk this straight and narrow.
0: You know, some of this conversation could be taken the wrong way as in, you know, we right. I, don't, I don't want people thinking, okay, you know, you have, you can kind of make your God, your God, you know, it's, it's look to the Bible for the facts about Jesus Christ right. and um, in that you'll learn who he is. And I right. think it's so easy for, um, especially new Christians or, or new newfound believers to make their own rules because they're not used to the conviction or the, or the truth behind a lot of things that Jesus did or, or says that we should and shouldn't do. And, right. you know, I, I want this to, I want that to be written as, you know, we don't stand for, you know, making it your God. It's, it's the father, right. son, and the Holy spirit. And that's what we believe in. And it's just so, it, it's so easy. And I, I feel like a lot of times I can catch myself even thinking in my own ways and, and saying, oh, well, you know, is this really a good decision or a bad decision? You know, what would God do? And then I, a lot of times it's so easy to cater to our selfish favors, you know? Right. Um, well, it's, it's right.
1: easy to try and, you know, you, you hear about it, you know, a lot with different churches and, you know, I don't think there's one denomination that's any any better than the other, you know, but oftentimes you have people that kind of pick and choose what they want to believe, you know, they'll take away and yeah. add. And they that doesn't mean they necessarily, you know, tear pages out of the Bible and add pages themselves, but with the way that they teach and the way that they present themselves and believe, it's kind of like these unspoken rules of, well, you're supposed to do this and you're not supposed to do that. But when you really uh, get down to it, it's like, well, it doesn't really say that, you know, kind of like what you mentioned, you know, right. as far as dancing in the church, you know, I mean, David danced out of his clothes before Jesus. You know, right. and right. My, my dad grew up in a, a Pentecostal church where women didn't cut their hair. They didn't wear wet makeup. They wore long skirts and that, you know, a, a lot of those things, you know, if you look at it biblically. You know, they don't uh, necessarily, you know, align with what the Bible says, um, and I think a lot of folks, like you said, they get caught up. They get caught up in the rules, you know, of what the Bible right. says, rather than building that relationship. You know, your own personal relationship with God. You know, having your your daily, you know, your daily prayer time and whatnot. That's where you, you really get fed the most. You know, um, absolutely, and and I think that's definitely something important. You know, for for the Christian walk is is you know, to, I'm not going to say build your own opinion, but build your own relationship with God. Um, Cause that's where you're going to find most of your food, you know? Um, right? And that's like a lot of people, you know, I've, I've had people ask me, Oh, are you a pretty, you know, are you a religious guy? And, and that word is kind of like a, A soft spot for me. And, and I I try to explain it without hurting people's feelings or stepping on their toes. But like for me, you know, I don't like the thought or word religion because I feel like in today's terms, the word religion comes with a lot of sidekicks. You know, it comes with rules. It comes with regulations. You know, I, you know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who I have a personal relationship with. And to me, it doesn't feel like a religion it feels like a relationship, you know? And I think yeah. a lot of people get caught up in the religious acts aspect rather than the relationship aspect. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: and I think, you know if when you do answer it, like if, if someone were to answer, yes, I'm religious. Well, whoever's asking the question is asking that for a reason. And they're automatically going to put you in a stereotype category of like, okay, well now I, you know, they don't cuss, they don't drink, they don't do this and that. And uh, and, like, they're perfect people. And like, Oh, you're better than me. Like, and it's not like that at all. Yeah. And, and so Uh, I, I completely agree with you, Ryan. That's such a solid point.
1: Well, we're. Uh, I guess we'll get close to to kind of wrapping this thing up. Um, we do have one question that we like to to ask everybody here on the podcast. Um, do you have maybe one specific verse or phrase or word of wisdom that you seem to turn to on a regular basis? Maybe a nugget that you'd like to leave for the listeners here.
2: Well, you know, it's it's kind of a Christianese uh, verse. Like everybody knows it. That. Been a Christian at any time, but Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You know, especially for where I'm at in my life. You know, I know the plans that I have for you. That just speaks to me every day. Like I don't know them, but I know that the Lord knows them. And you know, at the end of the day, if I have Him, uh, everything's going to be okay. So
1: yeah, Amen. To yeah, them. that's that's a pretty pretty powerful one. You know, and a lot of times we get yeah. lost in the cliche of. Oh yeah, I've heard that verse a thousand times, but if you really sit down, you know, mull on it for a few minutes, it's, it's kind of like, man, this is.
0: Or even just like a a lot of my friends and and people I know, they, they try to wake up every day and read their Bible. And like, I often fall short of doing that every single day and as, as do most people probably. And, um, I think, you know, as simple as just printing that verse out and having it like somewhere, like on your bathroom mirror, um, yeah. It's just instantly a, a reminder of, you know, today is not not going to be planned by you. You can have intentions to do everything you want, but the Lord is ultimately has the the plan for you. So yeah. that yeah, that's absolutely. a good verse to to it's simple, short, sweet, uh, yeah. easy mirror uh, mirror verse reminder. Yeah. Um right. Anyway, Tyler, well, um, we're going to keep in touch. I know Ryan mentioned, um, I guess he invited you hunting. I didn't get an invite, so whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Cool
1: deal. Well, we'll definitely keep in touch, you know, and and possibly, you know, get together during the, uh, you know, MS Awareness Month, you know, all that stuff and and try and do something together. and. We, we really appreciate you coming on here, sharing your story. You know, we know you take time out of your day to do this. So we really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, go get to working on my design. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'll, I'll get going. I'll get going. Why is it, why is it taking so long? Guys? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Come on now. <laughs> but, You're going to have it tomorrow.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, guys, I appreciate what y'all are doing and I will continue praying for what y'all are doing. And you know, Thank if you. it just speaks to one person like that, that's great. But I, I think this is awesome what you
0: guys are doing for sure. So well, we appreciate it, Tyler. Um, we're going to go ahead and hang up here and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate
1: nice. it, man. Yes, sir. All Sounds right. good guys. See you.
0: All right, guys. So that was Tyler Spitz Miller. Go check out his Instagram page. You can easily search that last name, S P I T Z and he'll pop up, but great graphic designer and awesome guy with a, a really incredible story that we learned about, um, on this episode. So, appreciate y'all tuning in. Um, any comments, questions, concerns, we're still new at this. So reach out to us, um, jack at swampdogoutfitters.com or ryan at swampdogoutfitters.com. And we'll take constructive criticism, you know, as we see fit. So <laughs> anyway, uh, Ryan, appreciate you joining me on. No and, problem. Uh, y'all go buy a hat or t-shirt. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop an ad in, swampdogoutfitters.com. <laughs> <We'll>, <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all next we'll time. We'll see y'all. Be good.